Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Dear Fandom, where everything you like is terrible and not this movie, though. That's okay. I'm I'm HJ. And I'm Megan. And today, we are, we said we would, we promised at the very beginning of the podcast that we would be doing far more exploration of media by this guy, but we are doing Kevin Smith's Dogma. Finally, uh, I know after it took, 43 episodes. <laughs> it's just like a couple, like one, two, 43. Um, yes. um, this is uh, considered, uh, this is uh, technically Kevin Smith's big, highest grossing film. It made like four times the budget of the film, which, wow. yeah, so good on Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, it features a star-studded cast, including uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, uh, Alan Rickman. Yeah, um, Jesus. Yeah. Alan, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, Metatron. I'm sorry, he wasn't Jesus. He, he, he was not Jesus, no. <laughs> um, Chris Rock, uh, Salma Hayek, there are tons, and George Carlin in one of his last roles, and an iconic one, might I add, as mm-hmm. Cardinal Glick who is a total douche trying to bring about the Catholicism wow campaign. So, and of course, the iconic character is Jay and Silent Bob. So, um, the whole movie starts with these two angels um, named uh, uh, Bartleby and Loki. And they got kicked out of heaven and they were banished to Milwaukee, Wisconsin for all of eternity. And so basically they... Um, I am they, just hearing the lines in my head. No, Megan and I have watched this movie an unbelievable <laughs> amount of time, so I have memorized Wait. whole sections of it. They were banished to hell? Was Wisconsin. <laughs> for, for the entire span of human history. And oh. um, so... They are, uh, they have been trying to get their way back into heaven for ages, and they discover a loophole, uh, a loophole at a Catholic church in Red Bank, New Jersey, that if you walk, uh, that the, that the church has been blessed so that any person who walks through the archway is free of sin. It's actually called, um... So it's actually a thing in Catholicism. It is, yeah. It's, it's a real plenary thing. plenary indulgence, mm-hmm. and it's uh, walking through the threshold of the church or the chapel, what have you. The the the, the Catholic, uh, you know, mass. It forgives all your sins, whatever they be. Um, so it's, I mean. In theory, it makes sense. It's a way to get people to come to the church, no matter what your sins are. Walk through, you're forgiven. You don't even need to tell anyone, but. This deals with the actual. It's pretty cool. Yes. Um, the reason um, uh, the reason this uh, this loophole is such a bad thing is that it would prove that God is not infallible, that God makes mistakes, and God mm. cannot make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So it would undo everything, undo yes. all of creation. Yes. So, so it is. Uh, so the only people person that can stop him is the last living descendant of jesus christ and that person is a single divorced woman who works at an abortion clinic which to be to fully on kevin smith's credit fucking wow man that is that is some 
It is. Ooh, somebody, somebody, somebody understands Catholicism and read the Bible once and was under able to understand who Jesus was and hung around because, like, yeah, that's so, a pretty, that's a pretty good, uh, you know. And comparison. she, she is, she is a person who attends church all the time, but is having difficulty with her faith, and um. Through, through a series of wild and wacky events, she kind of goes on this holy adventure to stop these two angels from entering that church and from undoing everything and just to save the world, save all of existence. And it's a yeah. big challenge. It's a holy quest. So it's akin to Noah. It's akin yes. to uh, Abraham and Isaac. It's something mm-hmm. that God sends his messenger on earth to Be- uh, to Bethany, right? Yes, to Bethany. To Bethany. And he charges her with a holy war, like a holy quest to, to stop Bartleby and Loki from crossing the threshold, thus, uh, you know, disproving God's law, thus undoing all of existence. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty fucking big quest. It is a really big quest. Um, this uh, Bartleby and Loki are played by uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, respectively. And they are... Um, Bartleby is sort of the voice of reason and uh, Loki, you know, is the kind of trickster, sort of like the Norse god. Um... And their personalities kind of reverse as the course of the film goes on. Uh, yes. Loki kind of starts to get a conscience, whereas Bartleby loses his. Yes, exactly. Like, throughout the, well, throughout the movie, you it, the real big changing point comes after the train scene in which Loki and Jay, uh, well, technically Loki, in, in general, angels can't imbibe alcohol or partake in any... Uh, you know, kind of illicit drugs. It's just kind of one of the things about being an angel. It's actually explained in the film that uh, I think it was uh, Loki or some some angel got really pissed drunk. Bartleby. Bartleby, Bartleby. got pissed drunk and told God uh, to go fuck himself or whatever. Or fuck themselves. And, um, and, and so God was like, all right, nobody gets to get drunk ever again. <laughs> and um, there are... Also, demonic entities that are trying to stop them. One of them being played by Jason Lee. Um, And uh, he is a fallen angel. That's a very interesting part. The whole movie plays with... What's it called? Um, I thought he was a demon. Yeah, he was a demon, but he used to be an angel. And oh, he fell. yes. He was yes. a muse. Yes, he was a muse. He was a muse, he was a muse that fell. Yes. Elvis was an artist. <laughs> yes, Elvis was an artist. I love it. The great thing about Dogma, to me, is that it, um, it takes Catholicism, which rules a lot of the world. Mm-hmm. And it is seen as one of the more problematic sects of Christianity, I would say. And plays with it, pokes fun at it. I mean, po- it's exposes all of the holes. Oh yeah, it. Well, the thing is, is it's problematic, but it's it's one of the most prevalent uh, sects of Christianity 
in the Western world. Um, I mean, that Pope, mm-hmm, he know what he do. He has his claws in everybody. Everybody in Ireland went over to America and went, mm-hmm, we got to make this a lot more Catholic over here. Everybody in Italy also went over to America and went, there's not enough Catholicism in this household. Uh, I was raised Catholic, guys. <laughs> um. uh, Megan was raised Catholic. I was raised by a lapsed Catholic. So uh, there was a distinct lack of Catholicism in our it was demonized in my household it was treated as the worst possible thing in the entire world my mom was like catholics are evil catholics are bad you know and, the and catholic I had, religion is bad i mean it's not you know your mom's not wrong and i had perfect attendance in ccd the entire time i attended <laughs> yeah i never understood ccd i went to a tr- i think i've gone to church with your family more yes. than i have ever gone to church with my own yes and the dogma made me feel closer to religion and made me understand it more. Oh, it made me question mine entirely. It was literally the turning point for me. Really? Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. This film was something that I watched and I was like, no, no, no. Because the thing is, is this film doesn't deny the existence of God, Jesus, angels, and whatnot. It just says that, like, there's a lot more ambiguity to these situations than humans give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, like obviously, this is going to be a podcast episode about religion, guys. Buckle up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's the part of the movie. Um, but for me, this movie... Uh, like, I, I love, like, like, uh, I, it never hit me until you literally said right now, it's a divorced single woman who works in an abortion clinic who's infertile. Yep. And she is your modern day Jesus Christ. Now, obviously she does not die for nobody's sins, but she becomes, uh, impregnated a la the Virgin Mary, except she's not a virgin. Um, and it's really just like. I don't know. It was just something that you can still be a devout Catholic. And the thing is, is part of the thing is, is that for me, I think Catholicism at its core minus the King James version of the Bible, because the King James version of the Bible is the one that has a lot of this like thou shalt not practice a witchcraft, a lot of this homophobic rhetoric, the, the shit that's taken out of context quite a lot. It's all from this English interpretation of the Bible. And it's it's King James who wanted to add in passages or amend passages. The Latin interpretation is is way more straightforward. And there's there's English translations of the Latin and that's, that's a version that is sold. Um, but regardless, the point is, is it... It's, it, it asks, like, the question, um, so there's a scene in Dogma that I have this vivid, vivid memory, and it's after Rufus has joined the group. Rufus, played by Chris Rock, the 13th apostle. Left out of the Bible because he was a black man. It's amazing. I love it. It's, it's actually, it's very funny. He ends up being a, not a moral center of the movie, but he's very funny and then flips and is very wise and caring and a creature, a, like, creature, a feature that she needs in her life. Yes. I mean, I, the thing is, is what's lovely about this movie is this movie is an ensemble piece executed effectively. So effectively. It's not even a, it's not even a well done thing because ensemble pieces well done are like, you know, Oscar nominated things um, like Knives Out. But like, this is an ensemble piece that is effectively used. You have characters who are introduced, they come, they come back, they are, you know, there are callbacks to prior view uh, Skewniverse characters, you know, um, you have your callbacks to your actors that Kevin Smith uses in all his films. 
But it's just the story is uh, so this scene with Chris Rock, um, at, you know, he's uh, t- talking about how, you know, Jesus died never knowing a woman's touch. But that doesn't mean that Mary and Joseph didn't fuck. Um, yeah. like, <laughs> like, guys, this isn't in the Bible. I don't mean to. And the thing is, is I have had these conversations. I come from a Catholic family. And let me tell you that this movie came out in 1999. I was nine years old. I didn't watch it at nine. I watched it when, hmm. I think I showed you this movie. I think you showed it to me. Maybe 13? Yeah, you, 13, yeah, 14? You were, I was, yeah, I was 12, so you would have been like 13 or 14. 13. So I, okay, so it's it's definitely something where I, I watched it and like, there were funny like quote, like quotable lines, you know, there's no sin or pleasure greater than centralized air. air. Yeah, Yeah. it's amazing. Like great, beautiful quotes like that. Or like, you know, um, the the, 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 uh, walrus and the carpenter analogy that Loki does in the beginning. These, you know, obviously the walrus stands for Ganesha or your, you know, your, your Eastern religions. Uh, and then you have the carpenter representing representing Jesus in your more westernized religions. And what do they do with these oysters? They proceed to shuck and devour them en masse. And it's just amazing because you've got Lady Alberlin from fucking Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood dressed up as a nun, having Matt Damon looking in his best Goodwill hunting haircut, telling her that Christianity is a lie because of Lewis Carroll. And it's the it's so well it's the first it's like the second was the first scene of the movie it's the first scene of the movie it's the first scene in the movie (laughs) yeah it's um it's the first scene with dialogue in the movie because you have the scene with the guy playing skee-ball and the oh yes yes on asbury park and And asbury park yeah the kids knock him into a coma okay yeah but like it's the first spoken line of the movie and you don't know what's going on you think like this guy is like really helping this woman see the light. And like, I was approaching it when I first watched this film, when I was young, I was like, oh yeah, no, he's really setting her straight. Like, you know, nuns are like, I had a very kind of antiquated view about nuns. Like it was like sound of music. Like I knew like nothing. And then when he sits back down next to Bartleby and Bartleby's like, you know, that's all real. Like, why would you do that? I was like, oh, this it's this type of movie. Okay. I just love fucking with the clergyman. Yes, like it's, it's so iconic. It's, it, uh, what's, what's great about this movie is that, like, it is, it was made at a time where a lot of the actors in this film were at their, the height of their careers. I like, would say they were like, okay, so they were in their rookie seasons, but they are in their peak of their rookie years. You know, like this was during, was this right before Goodwill Hunting or no, during this Goodwill? was, this was like a little after Goodwill. This was like the success of Goodwill Hunting. Oh shit. So you're yeah, right. No, it, and it Selma was, Hayek was doing like her big shit too. Yeah. No, like Chris Rock was really starting to get big. Like, I mean, this is the thing is that Kevin Smith specifically wrote the character of Rufus to just be Chris Rock. To just be Chris Rock. Yeah. And it's so smart. That choice is beautiful because you're not at. And the thing is, is obviously Chris Rock is an actor and he can act. But I think in the in back in the 90s, he was still I think it's it's a it's a big ass to say hey you're playing the 13th apostle of Jesus Christ and you have to act as though a man in the you know the, the turn of the world I guess the the ADCT changeover 
I'm sorry, I'm thinking of an Eddie Izzard joke. The AD changeover, like, like obviously that would be a character. Like you'd have to act as an as a you know a, a being from Jerusalem in the ones, the tens. I don't know how I'd put this, but BC times, I guess. And instead, he just said, "No, nah, it's just Chris Rock." Um, and it's great because it's way more accessible to the audience. Because when Chris Rock pulls that little piece of paper out from his ear, and then. <laughs> Jay goes, homie's hidden the guns. And he's like, no, it's a letter from Jesus. And he goes, what the fuck is this <laughs> shit? And it's, see you in three years. Jesus kind of takes the wind out of your sails. <laughs> yes. It's just so beautiful. Kevin Smith truly. And like, he writes Jay and Silent Bob, like so good. I, I still haven't seen the reboot. Cause part of me is a little afraid that it's not going to be good. It's pretty and good. It's actually pretty good. I have seen it. I, I will. Uh, you know what then? I'm going to check it out. You should I check will, it out. I will um, because you've given me the, the okay. Kevin Smith's, uh, Kevin Smith's daughter is in it. And yeah. Yeah. Harley Quinn is like, she's very 25. good. She's, God, she's like 23. God. But anyway, um, what's so interesting about this film is it combines so many, like, so many elements came together at the right time. Like, mm. you know. You have George Carlin you have George right, Car- before right before he, he passed. And you know. that means this movie is going to spike in popularity because it's one of his last film appearances. Yeah. You've got Matt Damon and uh, Matt ben Damon. Affleck. Yeah, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And they're, they're, I mean, they are in movies together, but like. This was the way you got your sequels, guys. You didn't get Goodwill Hunting 2. You got Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in fucking dogma. The thing is they made they they made the The Goodwill Hunting the joke. Goodwill in hunting joke in Jail and Bob Strike Back. But <laughs> it's hunting season. And ben Affleck has the frosted tips. And like the thing is, is like there's just so much so much of my heart that I look at um like Roles like uh, like Bartleby and Loki, and I look at how Kevin Smith writes these literal characters. Like, so the thing is, is Bartleby, Loki, Azrael, and Metatron are all actual characters in Catholic dogma. Um, so dogma is an actual word, and it has to deal with the like the bones of the structure of Catholicism. So one of the things, like this, is just a bit of like catechismic history for you. Uh, catechism is specific to Catholicism. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's, I'm, I feel like I'm giggling because I'm like, wow, this is coming in handy. It is, um, yeah. So uh, one of the things of Catholics that, that is separates them from other sects of Christianity is their worship of saints. Saints are holy beings. And uh, so they, they worship, you know, uh, saints are, uh, in order to become a saint, I'm certain like that's probably been more popularized than recent stuff. But you have to perform three miracles and you have to have those miracles verified. And it's. Weird, because back in the day, a verifying a miracle was like three other people going, yep, he did it. And like, that was it. I'm sorry, that's, that's so shitty, but yep, he nope, did that's it. it. He did it. You telling me he raised the dead? Yeah, he died. He was dead. I watched him. He died. Yeah, but he was, he came back alive. Like, <laughs> swear, I swear on my aunt. I swear on my aunt he was dead. I swear, I swear on my aunt. Swear on my aunt's grave. She's not dead. God forbid. But if she were, I swear on her grave. He just laid hands back right up. Right up. Pop. Miracle. <laughs> I apologize, guys, but this is my whole, like, this was my whole world. And uh, no, because I was, I was baptized ha- in the church. I had my first communion, my confession, the whole nine. This is, um, but this is the thing is that, like, dogma, like, they were like, there's so much stuff that's not addressed in the Bible. 
And these things, these were real people. Mary and Joseph were real people. Mary and Joseph and Jesus all really existed. They're not beings of divinity. They're, they're just humans that happen to have like some divine presence amongst them. Like that's why they are talked about in the Bible. I mean, Joseph, not so much. Joseph's kind of like, he's, he's just kind of, I, I, I would he's, say Joseph isn't necessarily revered or admonished. He's just more of a figure that just sits there and he's like, ah, I'm Jesus' stepdad. And they never really like super explore that relationship other than to say that Jesus was obviously pretty defiant to his stepfather. Um, You're not my real dad. I mean, uh, yeah, it's kind of how it is. Um, <laughs> like, well, I can't compete with God. It's so <laughs> funny because like, that, that's like a common joke that's made. And in, in reality, it's, it's uh, if 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 what we believe that that God came to Jesus when he was 12 and said you are my son because this is touched on in dogma Rufus has this 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 speech and he says you are my son and you will live for me and you will die for me and for like i think for a lot of christians they 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 have completely lost the faith in what's regard to like what it is at its core and for for rufus in this moment he talks about the moment that jesus is told that he is holy that he is divine and he's like you're 12 imagine being 12 and imagine being told that you're the son of god and you're gonna die for him and you're just and he just uh and he's like and it skips ahead till he's 33 yeah what about all those years in between how did he survive and he did obviously he did he died in his 40 his mid 30s 33 33. That's so what they call it, the Jesus here. That did, that's something I didn't know as a Catholic. Oof. <laughs> yeah, 33 is often known as your Jesus here. So it skips ahead to 33 and it's just, there's no talk between in the, in the interim years, in the, in the 22 years in between. And it's, it's something that, well, 23 years in between. No, 21 years in between. I'm sorry. I'm getting my math fucked up, guys. I apologize. But the thing is, is that. He's right. They don't talk about it. They never have. And like, I would love to talk about that question at family gatherings. Yeah. Hey, mom, what happened to Jesus when he was 22? The missing years. (laughs) So many. (laughs) The the hidden tapes. So many. I feel like so many, so many things have like, you know, pieces of media have tried to like kind of cover that. You know, we've got Jesus Christ Superstar. We've got like you know, fucking passion of the Christ. We've got like other things, but I think rarely is it, it has it been approached with this sense of like both humor and kindness, this compassion. Oh yeah. Toward yeah. Jesus as a human. Cause to me watching this film being the raised the way I was, you know, it actually put a little more faith in me of like something holy walking among us because I was raised completely like, completely atheist like christmas is secular no church there is no god when you die there's no heaven like seriously like Mm -hmm. nothing and you know so these are just stories to me you know these are just i like i'm sure jesus was a person i'm sure mary and joseph were people yeah but like were they holy you know i the way i was raised no they weren't yeah 
And this is the thing is, so this movie being my one of my actually, it's, I I would say this is heavily my favorite film. Yeah. And like we have it's among even my gotten, favorites. It's it's I mean, and we haven't even gotten into the actual fun stuff outside the of the juice, baby. Oh, there's so much juice. Oh, can I we, will explain that all. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. I just I have to just like just to quickly like wrap up on the plot and stuff because I do want to get into like a little bit of drama because I'm a I'm a bit of a I'm I do enjoy my little nibblies of drama. I'm so sorry you had to hear those with your ears, guys. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> nibblies of drama like cat treats i love it little nibblies friskies <laughs> oh drumskies love it okay um that sounds, like drums, that sounds like a little drumstick like little snack sized drumsticks anyway my point is is that dogma's plot was something that when i watched it in my formative teenage years it really made me because the thing is is dogma doesn't question divinity it does not question god it does not question no. jesus and miracle working it's like no it this just is real gives these questions that i think are enough to drive faith in op in any direction that may not be scripture related i think that kevin smith's dogma encourages faith outside of scripture because if there's one overarching theme it's that the book didn't get it right yeah, it's like it doesn't matter what you have faith in. So, oh yeah, that's a line in the movie. I forgot. So long as you have faith. So long as you have faith. Yes, that's the underlying message, and that is the message that stayed with me, really, because you know I did not have faith for a really long time. When I watched this film, like my family was going through, like first watch this film, my family was going through some shit. I was angry at everything. I had no faith in anything or anyone around me, and then I watched this, and I was like, oh, well, you know. Like, it doesn't have to be God that I have faith in. Like, if that doesn't make sense to me. Exactly. And for for me, what it did was it allowed me to take the belief system and structure that I had. And it was already very well regimented at this point. I had, I had been confirmed. I'm like the whole nine in the church. Oh, yeah. You um, sure did do all I'm, that. <laughs> I am certainly very well versed in being a Catholic. Um, and I rarely talk about it anymore because it's just not a part of my life. Because for me, my faith comes from something, something that's just, it's like I, when I, in those moments I need it, the faith is there. That's where it is. It's not so much about, I go to a house of worship and I, and I say a prayer and I say a blessing and I feel as though I am safer. It's that in those moments of strength, I close my eyes and I, and I ask for strength and I find it. And that's where that faith comes from. I think it, wherever it is, whatever that strength comes from. Because some people would say, oh, you're just finding it within yourself. And for those people, I'd say, yeah, but how did I know to find it in the first place? You know, like it's, you can get real galaxy brained on the whole thing. The point is, is that I have faith. <laughs> the point is, is that I have faith. have faith, faith, faith. Thank you, George I, Michael. I I, uh, is that enough to get we won't there's no copyright claim on this shit right um, I sang it like out of tune and out of beat like I think we're good alright cool 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 we're good we're good <laughs> <laughs> but I think when it comes to like the critical reception of dogma in terms of how many times I talk to people about dogma I have noticed talk to me a lot of it. people don't really want to have like a, like a like more than like a five minute like oh yeah yeah I love dogma yeah 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 I remember when there were ski balls down at Asbury Park and I'm like so remember when they said that no one's actually heard the voice of God because were God to speak human beings brains would blow up and they'd be like yeah yeah and there was that hospital I've stayed in that one oh my god yeah I got my my spleen ruptured people like 35 get years so ago uncomfortable that's gonna like they get so uncomfortable <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't, and, like, it's it's weird because for me, this is the thing is, is I 
when it comes to taking offense on something, unless it is an active slur or hateful sentence or statement, I let pe I give a person a chance to elaborate with regards to like religion, for instance. So like if someone said to me, like, you know, in my view, Catholics are shitty humans and like we don't like them. And I'd be like, that's fair. Like, I don't disagree that Catholic that the, that the Catholic Church's perception of, of like in the world is rightfully fucked and it should be because they're not good it's not a good organization but i would argue that the belief structure behind it this idea of worships of multiple individuals and or like worships of just you know like finding faith within individuals like the saint structure it's so interesting because to me it feels absolutely like modern day greek god shit you know what i mean they're it like is, this is yep <laughs> this is saint anthony say a prayer to saint anthony he'll help you find it i know this is all going back to new york and i understand guys you're like i'm from i'm wisconsin i don't understand this just appreciate that saint anthony is prayed to every time i'm like mom i can't find my keys Say a prayer to St. Anthony. He'll find it. <laughs> what about St. Nicholas? St. Francis of Assisi, all oh, right? Yeah. Take, take, the kitten to Saint, take the kitten to the church on Thursday. They're doing the St. Francis blessing. I, I need to make sure she goes to heaven. All right? Can you okay. Do, can you do that? Can you take, t tell me you're taking the kitten. Tell me. Good. Okay. So this, this all segs kind of perfectly into my next point, like, to get into the juicy drama of it all. Oh, let's hear it. Because... This movie was released a year after it was supposed to because of all the controversy surrounding it. No, yeah. you were. Yep. But yeah, no, it was originally supposed to be released in 1998, but due to the controversy, people sending Kevin Smith death threats, um, you know, several, um, several protests outside of any screening of the film, including Kevin Smith joining one of them. <laughs> I pretending saw that. to be opposed I, I, to the film. I saw that. That's a, that's a really like famous picture of Kevin Smith, right? It is. Yeah, it's really really great. Um, uh, like as we stated before, Catholic Church was like, oh, we don't we don't care. It's fine. And no, yeah, they don't. Well, the thing is, is they're not going to address it because the thing is, is they understand their presence in the world. And if they address something small in America from a filmmaker who hasn't made one big film, uh, they are, they're going to bring attention to it. However, they're absolutely, I'm not saying the Catholic Church is a shadow organization, but you know, they definitely do have like local branches of like their churches. And like, you know, that a priest or a reverend will be like, or, or, you know, a pastor or a minister, whatever have you, is going to be like, goodness did you guys hear about this dogma movie or whatever and then you're gonna have local you know protests and shit like that because it's it's something that like it will be in like the catholic church will just give like the memo to the priests and be like yeah yeah let let the team know like mm -hmm. <laughs> when yeah. the da vinci code came out the church was like don't read it you're going to hell. And instead, they should have been like, don't read it. It's a waste of your fucking time. Don't read it. It's fucking bad. Um, they should have just said that, guys. This is a bad book. They didn't address dogma, but they addressed the Da Vinci Code. I just want you guys to acknowledge that the Catholic Church, which the Da Vinci Code, upon retrospect, is a garbage book. Dogma, fucking, like, to be honest, it has aged mostly well. I'd say with regards to specifics on the Catholic stuff, it's aged great. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, th I, I mean, it's been a while. I'd have to watch it again. I will say that they do get a bit... I think that Kevin Smith needn't not include about, uh, like, like the the... 
I mean, I do think it's important about the angels not having genitalia because, like, oh, that uh, I wanted to discuss. Yeah, I'm going to discuss that in a little bit. Now, the more problematic kind of like age like milk aspects of the film. Yeah, Um, that is that is definitely something uh, that is. It is hard to. I mean, for me, it's hard to like put like a thing on like yeah that was poorly like poorly written but i understand he wanted to create this idea that angels are not sexual beings he wanted to ensure that the audience wouldn't sexualize them so he removed genitalia completely you know what i mean yeah um but he but in turn with those lines he sort of reinforced this kind of gender essentialist way of thinking yeah which is like reducing a person person down to their sex which is not necessarily like the way we do things now yeah but yeah. this film was made 22 years 22 23 years ago yeah i uh i was i mean the thing is is i was about to say 22 years ago uh i would say that yeah absolutely there may have been rhetoric about it um but it would have been mostly in academic circles and yes. some guy from new jersey who was most known for making a movie about uh painting a big sign on the front of your door on the front of your store that says i, I, I assure, assure you, you we're open. we are open yeah. <laughs> yeah like it's probably not a big like nowadays i think obviously kevin smith is way more informed and i think kevin smith is is definitely you know he's doing his thing he's he's had a very interesting life but i will say that if you, if you can just like view those particular lines in that particular scene with the lens of as a society the the, the information that we were getting on gender, on sex, like on sex, it was just not enough to prevent lines like that from being written, you know? Yeah. And these things do happen and I'm definitely not excusing it. Like I side eye those lines definitely every time, like during every rewatch. Yeah. But you know, it's there. And, um, it's important that we acknowledge these things in our, um, our favorite pieces of media, even, with people who generally do right by a lot of different groups. Yeah. So. Things can age poorly because there's no way to anticipate, especially Kevin Smith in 1999. Yeah. So to give you an idea, so it was, it he was, was 29. It was actually, yeah, I was about to say, I was like, I think his age when he was in, when he was filming Dogma, because it was filmed in 97. Yeah, like, so was he was 27, be, yeah. He was 27 years old. Let me tell you something. I mean, it's, 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 at 27, I think there's definitely, you know, he was a young up-and-coming filmmaker. I think he had a lot of grand ideas. And I do think he wrote a really beautiful script. I think that he thought at the time, he's like, yeah, I can make a statement about how, you know, tits aren't a gender, like we shouldn't assign a gender to tits, which is... Good. good. Like, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. a good, like, we have to remember that's also something he wrote. He, like, ser- serendipity grabs her tits and goes, well, you know as well as I, tits don't make a woman. And, like, it's then a he, good. Then he immediately. And like, then immediately you know. turns a big, well, fucking right, right into the tree little bit. But he did pump the brakes a second. I <laughs> tried. You know, it's. He tried. It's, oh, God. It's all a work. It's all a work in progress. It is a work in progress. But I will say, for the time, it was a dis- it was an exploration of sex and gender that I don't think had been done on film at that point. I hadn't seen it anyway. Or, like, one, like in a film that wasn't explicitly queer. You no, know? No, exactly. And this was. And this is something that. It's, it's, I mean, it's hard to like look back and go, yeah, you shouldn't be defending those. And I'm not, I'm not defending them. What I am saying though, is that as, as, uh, as art and as society's interpretation of art changes, it's something to acknowledge and go, we've done, we're doing so much better when it comes to these kind of lines. 
I don't have to worry about a line like that being written nowadays. Yeah, because people people are actually putting thought into lines and not doing kind of cheap laughs or cheap shock humor or like cheap that sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that luckily, I think he contained it to that scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't really outside of that because the Metatron stuff was more so like, um, I think it actually really, it was, uh, that scene's really interesting because it deals with, I mean, it's you're you're a single woman alone in your house, and a man shows up in your room. You're, and her first thought is she said she said what I think, pretty much every woman would anybody in that situation would say anybody in that situation would say, which is, are you going to rape me? And like he's like, absolutely not. Like he's like, hold on a moment, let me. Okay, calm down. Like it's, yeah, it's like I literally can't, and I don't want to anyway. It's so um, disarming in a way that like it really does like it's well like that's well written. It's hard to go. That's a hard scene to turn. Like that's going into a tree, and then he turns left. <laughs> See, so there's the mirror, guys. We did it. Like yeah. good job, everyone. Pack it in. We got this. We solved it. <laughs> um, but I think with um. With this, and then I would like to move on to the whole Weinstein Brothers thing because oh yeah yeah just, absolutely I can't wait to hear that wild um uh the Kevin Smith uh in a way like explored really well the concept of like biblical body horror and how yes. it is deeply implied that the like it is very very implied that all of the celestial entities these are they have lines like I got a body. I went to do this. Like, I like I don't look like this. Yes. You know? And not just, like, the Anatol... Like, it's implied that the angels don't actually look like that. Yes. You know? And yes. Bibli- biblically accurate angels are fucking terrifying. The only media depiction I've ever seen of them in modern times is A Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> yeah, I would say um, uh, Evangelion does a good show. Oh, yeah, Evangelion like, as well. But I meant, like, like you know, English. Oh, like, not animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not animated. Yeah. No, see, that's the thing is, and with, I, and that's, and that's something that Kevin Smith also includes that's important in the script is to say that this is just my earthly vessel for the moment. I, and I love that they call it an earthly vessel. Yeah. Like, it's my favorite. Yes. Uh, this is the earthly vessel. We will figure out what the Venusian vessel looks like. It is in progress. (laughs) Exactly. Like the, there is this hint, I mean, like. Within the Kevin Smith style, so, like, it's, you know, kind of grungy and gritty, but, like, there is this hint of this, like, otherworldliness under the surface that we don't have to see, that it is, that is implied, which is very important, I think, because isn't that faith something that is, like, not visible, but is implied? Yes, faith is uh, faith is what you can't see but you trust. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 a it's it's a very like a lot of movies do explorations into faith, but I think that dogma uh, hit the nose on the head when it comes to uh, the idea of faith doesn't have to have a form. It doesn't have to have a shape. Faith can take whatever you make it. Faith is a word that has personal meaning to each individual, and faith is an action that each individual meaning each individual ascribes meaning to. Mm-hmm. But we all collectively agree faith is when you trust that something will get better, I think, at the end of the day. The, there will be faith when you have faith, you you have a hope in tomorrow, I guess. And that it's like so, core. That is so beautiful. Oh, that, that was gorgeous. Thank you. Wow. I'm just, uh, well, you know. I'm God, just... 
in something of a pivot, but like kind of, it kind of fulfills into that because these are people with no faith whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Okay. Shitbag so, one and two. Okay, so um, Harvey Weinstein, who, as you know, is rotting in prison right now, yeah. owns is one half of the brother duo that owns exclusively owns the rights to Dogma. Yeah. And this they is, they own it. They own just the two of them. Nobody else. Kevin Smith sold it to them, and he made a fuck ton of money off the deal. But how much did he sell it to them for? Do you know? I don't. But it was in it was in the millions. It was a lot. Um. Yeah. It, he was he was able to move out to LA. <laughs> like, why Why did they want it? Why did they want it? Not the Weinstein Company. They saw it. I don't know personally because this is one of the few deals that was done by the brothers themselves. They bought a lot of things under the Weinstein company. But this was a personal This was a personal purchase. Oh my god. Are we gonna theorize? Can we theorize? Oh, we're gonna theorize, baby. And here's the thing. It predates like streaming did not exist when this deal was made. Like, no, ne- no. It's, Netflix it's... was it was did not a thing and no printed copies are made anymore. And nope. Nope. Megan owns a copy of Dogma. I think we also own a co- like me and my family also own a copy of Dogma. Eight, at least eighty dollars a pop, if not more, for so, the single disc. Yes. So my version is the deluxe one, and it's got like this like lady who looks like my old babysitter from the nineties, and she's got the glasses with the chain, and she's like, "I pray, please do not put in this DVD." And you're just like, it's like very much like old Catholic lady, like I'll just pray for you, oh, God, your soul, you know? Because yeah. back in the day before Karens existed, this it is a piece of trivia Catholic for you, lady. for you little Gen Z uh, guys and pals and. And 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 uh, and youths ah the youth okay I'm sorry I'm done with this joke anyway the point is is that before Karens existed there would be old Catholic ladies who would see like somebody with like a mohawk or like a leather jacket or like mm-hmm. a visible tattoo or like a piercing in their face and then they'd say a sign of the cross and they'd mutter to themselves while clutching their hands to their face and go. And then you just go, okay, well, fuck, all right, what the fuck was that about? It was the worst because, well, no, now, now it's worse. Now it's worse, guys. It's, it's worse. It's so it's, much worse now. It's worse. <laughs> to be honest, I take passive aggressive prayers over my immortal soul than uh, somebody coming up to me to tell me that I'm abusing my child by vaccinating them. So, you yeah, know, like, I let's. Can you just pray for me instead? How about that? Pray for me. Yeah, just pray for me. At least you, like, think you have nice intentions there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Like, just just say a little, like, oh, I'll pray. Like, like that's... Why don't I, I? It used to be that you'd pray for the ones that were lost, not thoughts and prayers to those who need it, like, in the sense of, like, me, I need it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm God, sorry. Do I need it more than ever? I need it. It's me. Thoughts and prayers to me. No, when we, when it was the thoughts and prayers, it was like to the lost souls, man. Like back in the nineties, there was this big, like, like I swear to God, everybody who was young in the fifties or like in their heyday in the fifties, they got old in the nineties. So we're talking greatest generation here. So our grandparents, and when they got old, they were like, they would see like Gen Xers and they would see like, like older millennials and they'd see them like wearing different things and like, you know, expressing themselves through fashion and hair and they'd be like jesus is gonna hear about this i'm saying a prayer right now (laughs) 
and like they really genuinely believe they were helping you. So it was one of those ladies on the cover. It's very much like a like an indicative of a time because he it came made out this way back specifically when. for the just just this version of the DVD though. Yeah, and because this version exists. It is like if if well it's it's used like guys I watched this movie um and it's two discs it's got like all the special features there's that movie scene with uh where he kills all the executives oh man that was such a good scene it was so good uh I'm gonna go watch uh, Matt Damon kill an ex- a room full of executives of a of a McDonald's amalgamation I love it oh movie world movie oh man I love it because they're like yo this is idolatry literally. You know all those stupid Facebook posts that you see where it's like, Jesus wouldn't like the world we live in? Uh, Yeah, Dogma did it first, guys. And Dogma did it best because Dogma said, hey, I'm going to create a narrative for these biblical figures who don't really like modern day society because there's a lot of uh, idolic worship. Uh, And uh, (laughs) Loki's like, it's a literal golden calf. (laughs) <laughs> I love it because Loki's got a point. He's like, Bartleby, I'm not, listen, I'm not telling you that I want to murder anyone, but it's a fucking golden calf. Like, what do you want me to do? That is, did we not, t- I, I, I'm sorry, were you asleep when Moses was around? Like, <laughs> it's just so good. Like, for me, as, a, as like somebody who's like, you know, knows the story of Moses and everything, Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read the story of Moses. You can you can easily Google like keep going, it's, Meg. It's, uh, it's it's um after he got the Ten Commandments and one of the commandments is thou shalt not worship false idols. It's like right up there. Um, so Moses is like, guys, I got the rules from God. We did it. And then he comes down and they've created a golden calf that they are all worshiping. And by they, I mean some collective within the group of uh, escaped slaves, uh, enslaved people. And uh, Moses is like, guys, this is the first rule. We're breaking it now. (laughs) It's just... Jesus, y'all. It's so (laughs) funny. It's so funny. Like, history is so stupid, guys. Guys, rule one, don't worship false idols. Okay. Is Jennifer in the background with a fucking golden calf? Jennifer, are you inviting people to the golden calf tent? Jennifer. Come on, I like man. it. It's, it's awesome. The, it's the first rule. Guys, guys, oh, guys, God gave this to me and you're really making me look fucking bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but religion at its core is, is, is insanity because humanity is insanity, guys. Look around you. This is literally this. It's, it's just, we have smartphones now. In terms of how less crazy it is, it's, I feel like, way more authentic to the times of, of like, you know, Moses being like, hey, guys, we've got to be good for God. And everyone's like, you got it. I'm going to go sleep with 80 people and I'm married. And they're like, that's also a rule. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I killed my neighbor. That's another one. Guys. I didn't even read them. I the deep the deep irony of like the world sort of outside of this film is like the contents of the movie don't exactly match like what happened with it afterwards. Because did Bob and Harvey Weinstein buy it because they liked it? Did they see it as a successful business venture, which is like idolatry anyway? Because you're worshiping money. Um, no, they bought it. I think they bought it specifically because they. I think by controlling the production of that, because that one awakens a lot of thoughts and a lot of people when it comes to religion. And they're like, no, 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 we can't have DVDs of this. And then unfortunately, oh, actually, no. That's an interesting thought. 
I, I absolutely believe that there is a powerful collective who wants to control free thought within a large group of people. I mean, that's constantly, I mean, that's the, that's not to sound conspiratorial. It's just obviously, as we've mentioned in a prior episode, there's a reason why reboots and remakes are all that are made nowadays. And it's because homogeny of thought is so much easier to do on an online space because it's not, uh, it, homogeny of thought is easier to do in an offline space, in movies, in TV shows, because... They're the ones paying the money in spaces yeah. like YouTube and stuff like that. There's less of the, it's it's way more mixed with regards to rhetoric and dialogue, mm-hmm. and you have algorithms leading you down different paths towards radicalism as well. Like obviously not to like say that the internet's a godsend, but dogma didn't discredit Catholicism, but introduced a whole bunch of questions that would make anyone any any good practicing Catholic who would watch this movie would go, oh shit, they did that. He did his research and he did, he did his research. And he was probably raised Catholic. Yeah. He was, I mean, he's from Jersey. I like, doubt it. I mean, that church in Red Bank is, is a really pretty church. It's really, <laughs> it's I've seen it. Went to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's gigantic. But like, I did not get all my sins forgiven by walking in. <laughs> well, that's okay. Cause like, I don't think you, I, what is a sin anyway? Like, aren't we all trying our best? Like, if we have faith to, like, that's what I can't vibe with about Catholicism, personally. So, like, that you're inherently bad. No. Well, the thing is, is so, so the whole thing, the whole thing at the end of the day is, so Jesus died for our sins, right? So when he died, all our sins were forgiven. And through baptism, you can be born anew. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to baptizing babies... Um, original sin is another, th- it's like a thing within, um, you know, Adam and Eve. It's, it's, uh, because, uh, it's the, it, they, they were the first sinners or whatever, because they went against God. It's, it, to be honest, a lot of the modern day practices of Catholicism, like communion, uh, you know, the, the age you reach when you can obtain the body of Christ for the first time, which is just a wafer cracker that you go up in a row and you're like, ah, now in COVID times, you're like, here is your pre-sealed COVID cracker. <laughs> really? And you, wow. And you, and you used to drink from the same glass and they just take a little handkerchief and they'd wipe it. And they'd be like, here's some wine for you, eight-year-old. Oh, my God. Yeah, we used to live... Like a truly disgusting lifestyle. Before. Oh yeah, we'd all share the same glass. Children, how the hell I did not get any breakouts on like my face hand, when I was a kid is very odd. It's it's. But the point is, is that um, I think dogma has done enough of its research to introduce. I I also think that people have like very high barriers when it comes to like uh, a quality film nowadays. So I think this movie, when it comes to good acting, good cast, good um, good story. Uh, fast-moving plot. You've got a lot of uh, diversity of kind of scenes. You the know, pacing got the, is really the, good in this film. The yeah. pacing is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, it's just an overall well-done movie. And the script and the response to it, I think it's definitely... I mean, think about it. Bob and Harvey Weinstein bought it, and the only time it's ever talked about is when someone goes, Ah, oh, fuck! What happened to Dogma? And then everyone's like, oh, Bob and Harvey Weinstein bought it. And the only person who's saying that is some dude on Reddit. And the only reason you're asking this question is because you're on Reddit. And unless you're on Reddit, you're not going to ask these questions. Because you're, you're literally going to be like, you're going you're gonna to like sit in your group of friends. And you're going to go, ah, oh, shit. Anybody remember Dogma? And the rest of the group's going to go, no. Yeah. And you're going to go, all right. And then you'll just forget about it. And then it won't be talked about. And it's definitely one of those movies that you should talk about. I, I think that movie is a 
perfect example of Catholicism isn't right, but can you tell me what's wrong? Is anything right? Is really? anything right? Is anything wrong? As long as you have faith and it's helping you not be a psychopath and murder people, good. Keep doing it. Because that's the thing is sins should are very clearly defined as acts against yourself and your and your others in your society others in your community the 10 commandments is like your big 10 like these are your sins that's why they're the 10 commandments thou shalt not worship false idols is big to uh god in particular he's a bit they're a bit narcissistic um because they're an entity and less of a you know (laughs) sexed being um but uh there's thou shalt not worship false idols um uh, like you know uh, thou shalt uh, keep a holy day uh thou shalt honor thy mother and father so these are considered sins when you um don't respect like your mom and dad and like like that's and so that's why a lot of catholic parents use the 10 commandments as like a reason to like you know justify their abuse um and obviously the 10 commandments are 10 there's 10 of them they're and they're like and obviously there's no like subsection heading B of like commandment eight, like, yeah, but it doesn't count if your mom and dad like kick the shit out of you. Obviously it shouldn't count. Like that, that goes without saying, but the thing is, is too many Catholics are like, well, it's not in there. So I do a loose interpretation. Like <laughs> I just, I just, it's horrible. It's horrible because it's, it, all it is, is, um, how do I describe it? It's just, it's a lot of Catholics just don't care. If it's not in the Bible, then God didn't say it is like their attitude, right? Yeah. It's, they, they interpret it very, very They're literally. the strict interpretations. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's also like conservatives on the Supreme Court also do strict interpretations of ancient documents. Um, you know, Yikes. because that's how, that's literally what it is. When you say a strict interpretation, you mean I'm taking a strict interpretation of an ancient document and applying it against modern sensibilities. So fuck you if you believe that. Um, obviously religious texts can totally be changed and totally be interpreted in 80 different ways. I think asking the question of what did Jesus do from the ages of 13 to 32 is a very valid fucking question because he was real. Like, obviously, as, as it's been established, the reason, like, so the the whole, you know, away in a manger thing, like, the, when he was born, the reason why they couldn't find any room at the inn is according to, like, you know, the story, it's, they were doing the census that day and, like, everybody had to be, like, reporting, like, the, the inn was closed because they couldn't, like, have any residents because they had to report citizens or, like, I get whatever it was. The point is, is that... Yeah. Like, it was a very reasonable explanation. Like, oh, wow, yeah. What, no, a holy, what a holy event. It's like, nah, man. Like, his, he closed his hotel, and he was like, well, I got, a, like, I got like, a, like, a, like, a farm. I, I have to, yeah, I have to I got, like, hey. obey the law. Sorry. Yeah. Um, like, you can chill outside, though. It's all outside, man. I'm sorry. It's pretty, it's, baby. <laughs> and, like, that's what I think Kevin Smith, like, takes religious events. And, like, Metatron. I mean, we didn't even go into Metatron, but, like, uh, R.I.P. Alan Rickman. We love you. We miss you. Love um, you. Perfect, perfect. Like fell in love when those moments. But uh Metatron's like so disaffected. Like he reminds me so heavily of uh Hazel in uh, Umbrella Academy. Oh yeah. He has seen so much and he's just so tired. Oh, absolutely. He's exhausted and he's so fed up with like these stupid like holy quests. You know he's done like about 300,000 as his Metatron existence because for an angel existence is infinite. <laughs> and yeah. this means nothing to him. A holy Time quest is nothing, like yeah. 
cool. And he's like, that's why he's like, yeah, it's nothing crazy. You just got to like stop a couple guys from like going into a church. Meanwhile, she's like, what? (laughs) I love, I love the way he responds. He goes, just stop a couple of angels from entering a church and thus negating all existence. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, he just repeated what he said. But I understood it now. It's so, it's very much like, this is my job. And like, like Metatron knew he had to repeat it. So he goes, what'd you say? It's oh, so stupid. Like, <laughs> every, I just think like every performance in this film is everyone at their best. And every, like so many serendipitous things came together including yeah. a character named Serendipity. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we didn't even talk this... about Linda Fiorentino and how horrible she was on set, apparently. God, um, I'll include that in Instagram on the notes and the extras. Ooh, um, very but... good, yeah. She was rough. Apparently, according to everyone in the cast, they were like, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely should have gone to Janine Garofalo. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people thought that. But um, she even turns out a very good performance, except uh, in despite the fact that she was not the best to work with. And yeah. I think we, it really captured this moment in time. Like it couldn't be made today. I don't think. Do you? No, but I do think that this is a great capture of what it was like to be in like, so, so like when it comes to like, maybe like more diversified thought you know how sometimes it's hard to find like pop culture diversified thought because it seems so much like you know everybody's just making the same movies um unless you know like big think pieces come out something like this is it's just it's one of those movies that comes along and it just kind of it's a fun think piece it's it's yeah it's a pin it's a pin in you know the turn of this like the turn of the millennia because that's what it was. 99 was right 99? before the like the Y2K shit. And it was the turn of the millennia. And it was about like this idea of like, f- like, like, fuck no. A woman's body is her own choice. Like Silent Bob and I support like a woman's choice. And like, that's so amazing that it's written that way. Like yeah. it's written like a woman's body is her own fucking business. Amen. Amen. My good sir. <laughs> exactly. And it's like. It captures, like, the spirit of a region, the spirit of... Something that is common thought now. Yeah. It's amazing. Back then, that was fucking revolutionary. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. (sighs) And, like, I just... I'm happy. And, like, I think of you when I think of this movie. Like, I think about watching this movie with you and the many discussions we've had about it. And the many times we've watched it together. Are you ready to hear what I want to do with this movie? I would love to hear it. Yeah, I'm gonna. Sh- I'm going to tell. I'm gonna tell m- my kids to tell all their friends that I have a band movie in my house. Ooh. Yo, imagine being 14 and like going up to your friends and like, yo, my mom told me she's got a band movie in her house. They don't make it anymore. What? Yeah, the last printing was in 2009. 
what? <laughs> oh my god, yeah, because I'll be so far from that. Oh my god. Look at you. Cool mom. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You gotta radicalize them mid-middle. Mid, mid, like, not, not, not too young, because, you know, obviously we don't want to... I do enjoy not watching too many children say fuck. Um... <laughs> let them not say fuck like, not too quickly at least but you know no. once middle school like eighth grade hits that's when you start introducing you pepper them with a little bit of revolutionary thought guys yeah and you'll start with dogma all right oh it's gonna be great gosh thank you all so much for listening god we rounded off at about an hour we had a lot to talk about but oh yeah but um, it was lovely it was really great um I love, I love i'm this. not certain what next week's episode is so it'll be as much a surprise to y'all as it will be to us yeah <laughs> listen guys when it comes to fandoms i've been indulging i've been reading i've been watching i've been sitting in my house because omicron was running rampant all winter so sure, sure was guess we got some good episodes headed your way yes once again we are updating on a um every two week schedule um and thank you so much for listening and supporting us please mask up and stay safe and we love you bye we love you bye